We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All systems are good. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Van And here we go. Welcome back, my friends, to another audio adventure on Insight. I'm CBV, Chris Van Vliet. Thanks for being with us and for listening to the show on whatever platform that you're on right now. If it's Spotify or Apple, it would be amazing if you could take a second out of your day to leave a rating or review on there. On Spotify, we're so close to a thousand ratings. So if this is open on Spotify or if you have Spotify, it means so much to me if you could go in and click those stars on there. All right, where do we begin with this one? This is such a deeply personal and deeply honest conversation with Buff Bagwell. He's struggled with addiction for decades. And with the help of Diamond Dallas Page and his team, Buff, or I guess I should call him Marcus because he's such a very different man. Marcus has now been clean and sober since August 27th. And the person that you hear during this interview is a very different Buff Bagwell than the one that we've seen over the last 30 years. It's amazing seeing his progress. And a lot of it, so much of it is because of DDP. His heart is so big and his mission in life is to help people. It's well documented how much he helped Jake the Snake Roberts and the late, great Scott Hall. And now he's helped Marcus Bagwell turn his life around. And he, he helps so many people. He helps so many people turn their life around all around the world from so many different walks of life. And DDP, he's just so kind. He extended an invitation for me to not only do this interview at his house in Atlanta, but he also invited me to stay there. So it just, what a guy, right? I, I love Diamond Dallas Page. What an amazing human. Also, we filmed a very crazy workout. I mean, the man just doesn't stop. And we fil filmed this amazing workout of what a day in the life of DDP is like and all the things that he does to combat aging, to reverse aging, and to be as flexible as he is in his 60s and almost 70s now. If you enjoy this conversation, please share it with a friend. Take a screenshot, tag us. I know Marcus would love to see that. He's at Marcus Buff Bagwell. I'm at Chris Van Vliet. And here we go. A very raw, very real conversation with Marcus Bagwell. 
You look really good. Thanks, man. I appreciate it, bro. It, it's been like, I think the last interview we did was like 10 years ago. So a lot has changed, right? It's a decade, bro. When I think about it. <sighs> yeah, it's a decade. <laughs> but uh, it's Marcus now. Yeah, Marcus. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big Mr. shit. Mr. Bagwell. It, it, when I first saw... <laughs> When I first saw Mr. Bagwell's Neighborhood, I was like, this is so good. Right. I sent it to my buddy. He goes, no way that's Buff Bagwell. Right. I said, yeah. Where did that all begin? Um, you know, Dallas is, Dallas, Dallas is so great. And he's got such a great team, man, with, with, with Steve Yu and all, all of his fa family. They don't call them people or employees. It's family. You know, it's. From the camera guys to to Nadia to Nate to everybody, it's a team. It's a team and a family. And and Steve just he's just we call him Yoda, bro. He's Yoda. And uh, and you know it just um, it it just happened. He he picked out basically in the Change or Die docu series. It was like, what can we do this completely opposite of Buff Bagwell? And Steve came up with Mr. Rogers. <laughs> I mean, how much more different can you get like than the R-rated Mr. Rogers? Right? The R-rated Mr. Rogers. The gigolo Mr. Rogers, right? <laughs> right. Okay? <laughs> so to speak. And uh, so we um, we kind of just, we didn't really know. He just threw it out there. And man, we, we put the outfit on and I just felt like, I felt like Mr. Rogers. I was like, I started going like, and, and everybody just started laughing. Yeah. So of course, you know, Steve, it was, camera was on and we were, Taking little muppets, little puppets came into the scene, and I'm going like this and like this, and you know all the, all the Mr. Rogers stuff, and it just it just it just happened, man. It just it was magical. It was really magical. And then we went to Alaska. Me and Dallas did, and you know, of course, we still had that. We knew we had it, but we didn't really think we were going to open the can on it yet. And then um, everybody in Alaska was like, I mean, like top guys when we were on top said. Like Scotty Chihati came up to me, and goes, "Why are you not doing the Mister Rogers thing, man?" I mean, I go, "Well, you know, we're, it's in our back burner. We're going to do it." And uh, he says, "Man, it was uh, tremendous. It was great. We, everybody's laughing about it. It's really good." And so, um, you know, so we're we're going to do it. So this guy in Baltimore, Danny, yeah. Danny McDevitt, MCW, he said, yeah. MCW, you know, Baltimore, Maryland, and uh, he shoots Dallas's text, and Dallas just catches on fire about it. <laughs> He's me and Steve are like, you know, like, wow, it's unbelievable how excited Dallas is about this. He was really excited. So we, you know, of course he knew I would be ready. So he, he talked to me about how he wanted to do it. You know, Danny did and everything. So, you know, the debut of Mr. Bag was going to be in Baltimore, Maryland, you know, with the, you know, with the Mr. Bagel's neighborhood, you know. At what point did you think you needed a change? Like, you know, you were, you were buff for almost 30 years. Yeah. You know, buff's got me a long ways in life, you know, but Buff's also, you know, got me in a lot of trouble, you know, and um, I think everybody was just thinking, you know, that it was just time for a change, you know, and the show came out with Dallas, you know, the docuseries with the change or die thing, you know, and to the point Dallas in the get-go way too, way early um, was wanting not to call me Buff anymore. Mm. And, uh, and you were even calling yourself buff for so right, long. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'm buff. I'm the, I mean, it was all about me, you know? Yeah. And, um, and that got me a long ways, but it just, you know, I think, I think Dallas saw it before anybody and Dallas and Steve saw it before anybody. But I think, I think Buff had had maybe his, maybe his, his run. And Dallas was like, not wanting me to bring my hat out and stuff. And I said, Dallas, I go, 
people want to wear that hat all the time. He goes, mm. I know, but just leave it on the table, man. Let them, let them see it, but don't wear it. He said, and he actually said to me, and it hurt my feelings a little bit. He said, you know, he said, I feel sorry for guys that walk in, oh, the older guys that are holding on to things. He said, and I, I kind of feel sorry for you when you walk in with your top hat on. And I said, I, I kind of feel sorry for me too, but we're we're doing what we're, we do and the fans still love us and stuff. He goes, yeah, but I just think we recreate you, man. I mean, and I'm thinking, well, to what? You know, and then all of a sudden this, this Mr. Rogers thing came more to life to us. And so, of course, we, you know, we started messing around with it. And then when Danny put the spin on it for MCW, now we're actually doing the debut in Baltimore, Maryland with Mr. Bagel's Neighborhood, you know? So it's just, you know, like I said, Buff is just something that was great. I mean, man, to be Buff Bagwell with, with the frame and body I had through the 90s, yeah. it, it's so much luck. But it, man, it was a lot of a lot of work too, bro. And a ton I mean, of discipline. I mean, discipline. Yeah. Can you imagine what? I mean, I was sitting in the gym one day after the first photo shoot I'd done, and I said, and I was just looking at the ground, and my trainer goes, "Hey, hey, uh, Mark." He goes, "What's what's wrong?" I said, "I just realized that I I've got here, but now I got to stay here." Mm. And I went, and he goes, "Well, that's okay." I said, "No, it's not." I said, "We presented this to the world, and I was." in tip top like maybe the top five bodies of the wrestling history's mm. bodies and and stayed there for three or four years man and it was a uh, it was fun at first but it was it was a lot it was a lot to stay there man and i think that burned me out mm. and you know the, the 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 addiction and things started coming out of that with buff and he got me into a lot of trouble you know um and so i think when it started when it, Dallas started saying, let's change and think about it, you know, with the, you know, with calling you, Mar he really wanted to call me Mark again or Marcus, you know, and he said, you know, he said, uh, everybody, everybody at the Change Your Die show, they were, he was saying like, no, he's Marcus now. And they would go buff. I mean, Marcus. And it was so annoying. I said, no, 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 just, just call me buff, man. Cause it's just easier. Yeah. I mean, they already been calling me buff. It was buff on my room and all that on the door. So I said, don't try to change it. If it's uncomfortable. Let's just go with that. So. It kind of took over there, but not quite. But now, I mean, you know, he just wants me to not 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 do away with Buff, but it's just time to move on. Yeah. You know, with everything in my life. And, you know, with this, you know, with me going to, you know, getting, you know, this this trip to Black Bear, you know, to get, you know, to get cleaned up this last time was was a big deal. You'd been to rehab how many times before? Um four four or five. I've been four or five. Out of those four or five, I I didn't know what was wrong with me at all for three of them, uh, meaning I didn't know about my sleep apnea. And I had severe sleep apnea and didn't know it. So the fourth one, I took my actual CPAP with me. And I, if I would have listened and I would have been a little more ready, I probably could have got clean there. I probably could have, but I didn't. I didn't. I came home. I was 20-something days clean. Um, my, my sobriety date is uh, August 27th of this year. So I'm clean 40 something days today. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks so much. Man. I appreciate it. And I, I'm not a big counter, but I'm, I know my sobriety date, bro. Mm -hmm. I do know that. And I'll never forget it. You know, so that's a big day, August 27th. So I am, um, you know, everybody decided it was just time for me to, for me to go. And it was time. It was time. So, you know, I went. But you have to be ready. I think that's the biggest thing. I've heard that from so many people. 
Well, the main thing, and you're right, you do got to be ready. And that's what happened before. I just wasn't ready. I don't, I wasn't ready. And everybody, of course, wants to know why is, you know, why is this time different? You know, yeah. why is this time different, Mark? I mean, tell us what is so magical about you being clean this time when you said you've been clean, you know, three or four times previously. This time, I had a lot on the line, man. I had a lot on the line, along with my age, along with my maturity, and I was ready. I was tired. I really was tired, man. I was tired, and I, I, I would have asked for help if I would have known really all about it, you know. But I was just so much was going on. I was still making a lot of money and and trying to manage my life and 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 trying to do all these things to keep going, but my life had became unmanageable. I mean, I started seeing videos of myself that my friends were taking where I was just, and I was in that, in this position going, I mean, I've, I've got to, I've got to straighten my life out. I got to get going I, at that level. So in my mind, even though I was blacked out right there, I was still thinking, come on, Mark, you've got to do yeah. something here, man. You got to kick out, you yeah. know? And, uh, and so when, when they, when they said, you know, let's, we're going to take you to, you know, they told me, they came in on me, you know, and said, look, you know, it's time to go, man. You got like go. an intervention. Yeah, intervention style. And, you know, Dallas led it and Steve was there and you know, my niece and everybody. And so they, um, you know, they ran, they ran an intervention on me and they had every answer, bro. They had them, they were ready. And they were like, you know, I said, what about the podcast? They're like, we got that, we got that covered. I said, well, what about the dates? I got a bunch of dates, guys. We got it covered. And, you know, and, but, you know, in the big book, you know, of, you know, alcohol in the AA book, it says that, <clears throat> you know, your life's become un unmanageable and my life had, mm. it had become unmanageable. So my niece took over and, you know, that was the first step was to get me there. And this was after you had already <clears throat> done the docu-series with Dallas? Yeah. So I came change in, or die. yeah, I came into change or die and had gotten cleaned up. I really kicked out of my, you know, I, I, I wasn't as bad as everybody thought, so to speak. And and really was had a, had a handle on it more than people think. And I uh, was really like, you know, stay out, staying sober down there. But I was coming home on, on Thursdays. And um, my, my, my main drug of choice is, um, is, you know, is benzos, which is, you know, most relaxers, Xanax, that kind of thing. Okay. And, um, and Did you mix that with alcohol? I mixed it with alcohol. And alcohol, and I've been in trouble with, with alcohol several times, but never, never had a, an alcohol from alcohol from never had a DUI with alcohol, never. Um, and so it's not like I wasn't trying to get a, a DUI with alcohol. I, I was drinking, but obviously there must not be a big problem problem there with the drinking if you never got a DUI with alcohol. So or you just didn't get caught. Right. I mean. Well no, I blew. It was just <laughs> it wasn't over the limit. So I was like, wow, you know, I can't I couldn't believe it, but it wasn't. So they were like, um, you know, so that transferred into this time it was more alcohol because I was I wasn't abusing the pills. I just raised my alcohol. And so this time it was just it was really the alcohol that I was seeing become a problem. So it was definitely it was a that was a new that was something new for me, that much alcohol intake. So that's when, you know, my niece started seeing, you know, dip sleeves of vodka in my refrigerator and you know the little bottles of the sleeve and and things like that. So, you know, it was just like I said before, it was just time. It was just time this time. She, she knew. And so she kind of let it and called Dallas and called Steve. And then I think they wasn't, I don't think they were fully sold that I would go, but I, I, I went pretty quick. I didn't, I went with too much of a fight at all. Cause I was, like I said, I was, I was ready, man. So what do you think it was? What, what was, 
What was your reason for drinking? Uh, to escape. Uh, I was just so depressed, man. I was, and I was depressed uh, about my life. I was, I was, I think this is the main key. I was extremely lonely, man. I was lonely. And I've, do you know how many times Marcus or Buff Bagwell has been lonely in his life? I mean, never. I mean, my, a woman from the time I was a kid, whether it be my mom or a wife, a woman took care of me. And I'm so thankful for that. It's not even funny, but all of a sudden there was nobody there. And I had ran off everybody. My addiction had ran off everybody except Dallas Page and, and Steve Yu. And uh, they stuck by my side through the whole thing. And so, you know, just, just I, so I started isolating. You know, I got so lonely and so depressed. Then I was, I just, I just stayed by myself and just drank, you know, and, but I still was staying professional or trying to, I would, you know, I would go, I would call Steve to, to come down to the, to the PC center, the performance center and do some work or do something. And, and he wouldn't return to my calls all of a sudden because he didn't know what to say to me. He was like, Mark, I didn't know what to say to you. I, I knew you were screwing up. I knew you were probably drinking or drunk. And I just didn't want to, I didn't know what to say to you. So, you know, I didn't know what, so I just didn't answer. Mm -hmm. And I said, I get it, man. I get it, you know? So, you know, they came down and, you know, John is a, uh, just a, the best thing in the world that's ever happened. And even Dallas said, man, if you did one thing right in your life was being sweet to your niece, man, because she's a, she's wonderful. I mean, they're, her family's wonderful. They're, yeah. her, they're, her and her husband, Chip, are just phenomenal, you know? And uh, I love them so much. Is there a certain part of, and I think this happens to wrestlers, it certainly happens to athletes, where you had your prime and then your body says, you can't do this anymore. Is there a certain part where you go, man, I want to be 1990s WCW Buff Bagwell? You, you have no idea. And that was a big part of my depression, too. I just, I mean, to talk bluntly about it, I couldn't get my abs back. And I was like, I can't believe this. This is unbelievable. Medicaid. And it's crazy to say that, but it just, it is because you don't have the tools to, to, to batter, to battle that. Mm. And this time I was sent to a place that was literally, they give you the tools there and they may have gave you the tools at other rehabs, but I, I wasn't ready or I didn't listen yeah. because they make you go to class at Black Bear. Black Bear Recovery makes you go. And where is it? It's up in like Helen, Georgia, like North Georgia, okay. in the mountains in North Georgia. It is. It's beautiful up there, and it's just, you know, it's got, it's, you're in a lot of cabins and stuff, but I mean, it's rehab. I mean, there's no TVs, there's no radios, I mean, no TV in your cabin. There's one TV on the whole place. There's from, from, seven, from 6 a.m. when you wake up till 9 o'clock at night, you are going class to class to class, and you learn, man. You learn things, and you learn things. Like one thing I learned was a thing called pause is post-addiction post -addiction withdrawal syndrome. And what happens with that is, it's like if you have a feeling of a withdrawal symptom, that happens a lot. It can happen for 18 months after you get clean. And it could be like, for me, my triggers and stuff of having that symptom and feeling weird is like, like sweating or it's a certain kind of sweat though. It's that sweat where if somebody touches you on your back, you're just like, Hey man, what's up? You know, it's a different kind of sweat. Uh, you know, it's just weird, and it's it's a withdrawal. And but it's called you know, and it can happen for eighteen months. And 
that kind of symptom would have led me right back to like a Xanax or something. But now they give you the tools at Black Bear to, to fight that off, you mm. know, to, to, okay, now breathe. Let's breathe it out. Let's relax. Don't let it, don't let it play tricks on you. It'll go away. It will go away. And it does. And, you know, and those kind of things that I would never do before, didn't know about, I knew how to fight him this time, you know, mm. and that's why I was able to successfully complete this thing, I think. What the do you tools. think the biggest thing you learned about you during this process? It's okay to be lonely. It's okay to be by yourself. It's okay to, you know, that you've got a bunch of notes that you're not marking off every day. It's okay that you didn't make it to the gym today. It's okay that you're don't got your abs back like you did when you were 25 years old. It's okay, Mark. It's okay. I learned that you didn't have to push myself as hard as I was pushing myself and setting my goals way too high. I wanted to look like Buff Bagwell in 1995 now, and it wasn't happening. It wasn't happening at all. And then you throw the knee in with it, you know, um, a two-year-old, you know, injury. That was not getting any better at all. And uh, I mean, people, guys have seen me in, at the locker rooms and been like, how long are you going to be on this crutch, man? And I was like, I mean, I, I, got, I ran out of stuff to say. And it, so, it's, so that became really depressing for me. This is from the car accident. Yeah. So still August, yeah, August 2020. And I just, I, the main thing was, and what led to all of this was to go, um, was to get, I had to get clean before this was going to get better at all. So, you know, we, we sent me to, you know, rehab just to get this done was one of the main reasons was my, cause this thing is like, it's, it's dealing with my life what's, right now. What's the actual the, injury? I mean, the actual injury is, uh, I, my patellar tendon exploded. It's not there. So they cut you down your calf and they bring a piece of your calf muscle to your knee and they rebuild your patellar tendon. And it's called a gastronemius flap, or it starts with a G and it's got flap in it. Well, as I went to the doctor the other day, the flap is not even there anymore. And now there's like all kind of stuff, chips and arthritis and awesome. I mean, all kind of stuff's going on and it's bad news. I mean, it's like, you know, I mean, like amputation is, is on the table. Still? It's on the table. Um, not that they're going to do that, but it's, I mean, it's on the table. I mean, we got an infectious disease doctors that we're seeing right now and everything's not saying it now, but if it sways one way, it's, it's back in the, it's back in the conversation. Wow. So we're right now. The deal is we're going to keep it clean, keep the wounds good and clean. And we're getting blood tests every four weeks. And that's going to tell us whether it's getting better, stabilizing or getting worse. And we ride that as long as we can. And when the wounds heal, there's a lot they can do but the wounds have got to heal. Wow. Yeah. It's been a, it's a lot, man. Even telling you the story back. I mean, can you imagine going through this? Well, I now? saw the original photos. Yeah. It looked like someone had taped a ribeye steak to your knee. Like right. that much was exposed. Right. It looked, it looked like, a, like a steak. It was crazy. When I, I first text uh, Sting, <laughs> Sting with that, and he, he never, he's a big, he hates phones. He called me right back and he went, what? Is that on your, he said, I wasn't going to call you back, except it said that that was your calf. I go, it is. So the meat you saw in that picture was my calf muscle, bro. And nobody, they're like, what? And I'm like, they bring it up the whole nine yards. Well, it seemed awful good, but it just never healed, man. And so I'm dragging this out two years and two months. Wow. Now, you know, 
when that cameo came out right around that time, I think a lot of fans were really concerned. Oh yeah, that was that was um, that was really bad. Now, wow, I saw that back um, maybe the day I got out of yeah, it was the day I got out of uh, Black Bear, and either I turned away or didn't watch the whole thing or what. But man. I watched that thing back and I almost, when it was playing, I almost said, cut it off. <laughs> I mean, it was that bad. I just didn't, I mean, you know, just, you just so, so much is going on when you're, when you're doing what I was doing with drinking and taking pills and all that. There's, you're in such a fog, your brain's in a fog kind of, you think you're thinking clearly, but you're just not. And, you know, and it's just, it's just a real cr crazy place to be. But man, it was like, you make it make sense, like we always do, and addicts are the best at it. We make it make sense, and um, and we're like, you know, I was like, you know, this guy, this boy, this young boy had a cameo needed done. It's not about the money. It's this kid. I'm I'm doing the right thing because this kid needs this. Yeah. No, bro, you're not doing the right thing. I mean, Dallas called me the next day. He goes, "What are you doing?" I go, "What?" He goes, "Bro, don't get on the, don't do nothing when you, if you're if you're doing anything. Don't don't get on the." camera and i mean it was brutal when i saw it my bruised face and missing teeth and i don't know what i was thinking bro i really don't i was just i was just screwed up i was screwed up we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your interaction with fans has always been so great. And I, like fans are so important to you. It's so legit. And you me, make man. it such a memorable moment for them. Yes. I, it means so much to me. And Dallas is the same way. But it means so much to me that even when at the shows we go to, I stand in front of my of my table. Every other person there. And this has gotten this is not saying nothing bad about anybody. It's just the way they do it. They sit down in a chair behind their desk or behind their table. And I just want, I just want to get up and be a part of it and make their, make their day better. Yeah. And I've all, anybody that's ever seen me do that, 
it's just, it's from the heart, man. It's from the heart when I do that. Cause I, I really care about the fans and what they think. And I want to make the best out of them, you know? And, you know, and, and I feel like I do that, you know, and it means a lot to me, man. It means so much. I don't, me and, me and Dallas are the one, I don't think we've ever turned an autograph down. I know I haven't. And I could, I wish to God I would have a camera on people that have gone to their mailbox and opened it up and looked in there like, what is this? And opened up a thing and saw an eight by 10 of me. Well, any exaggeration, I've done that a thousand times where I've took a name down on an airplane or something mm. or a card and then, then, then walking off thinking, right, like he's going to send me an eight by 10. And I did it. I mean, I, I never failed, I don't think. Wow. And I just, it just meant so much to me. I mean, that card, as soon as I'd walk in from a, Australia or, or, or Canton, Georgia, it was instantly, you know, get eight by 10, sign it, fill it out, get it and mail it. You know, it just meant so much to me. Where do you think you go from here? Like you look great, you sound great. You're healing up your knee. But I remember talking to Jake about this, yeah. Jake the snake. And he's like, it's just one day at a time. Yeah. And, and you know what, man, that's, it, it's really hard for me to do that, but it is one day at a time. But I am so excited about being sober for the first time in my life. Is this the longest you've been sober? Absolutely. For? I mean, maybe, I mean, they actually asked me at Tengu, my aftercare place, they asked me, you know, I mean, how far back? And I was like, I, I think maybe 16, I, I think to be totally sober. I mean, I think 16 and that's really sad and pathetic. I know, but I think that's the facts. I think, though, that our relationship with alcohol changes. You know, when yeah. you're 16, it's to have fun, sure, drink, sure. meet girls, right. whatever, yeah, party. party, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I mean, I, I got arrested at 16 for blowing a 0.01. You know, I didn't even drink, but you t that's when you took the beer around at the party, but you never drank it. You know, you just kind of had it because you were trying to be cool. Yeah. You have a and sip. I probably had a sip. Yeah. And I get in my Jeep and I'm driving down 41 and the big chicken, you've heard of the big chicken, right, Marietta? <laughs> The big chicken, I get pulled, my first ticket, or first time I getting arrested, was at the big chicken. I get pulled over, and I'm thinking, what's this guy doing? Yeah. Back then, my parents owned Marietta just about. And so I was like, you know, what's this guy going to do? And I blew in the thing, and I blew a 0.01, <laughs> and I got arrested. I was like, you got to be kidding. So I got minor possession. So it's just been, I've had bad luck and, and been at the wrong place at the wrong time a lot of times, you know? And, uh, but back to what you said a minute ago, it really struck me is where do I go now? Mm. And, you know, the sky's the limit, man. I, I, I'm excited again. And that's dangerous to me. That's great and dangerous. I mean, you got me and Dallas together and we're both Dallas is always excited, but to get me excited with him and Steve, it's just like the sky's the limit. I mean, yeah. recovery. I've never been able to use recovery or sobriety in a sentence form. And I can't. I can use that in a sentence form without being embarrassed and say that, you know, my recovery, you know, is so important. And and your and your sobriety is so important. And it's just to be able to say I'm a recovering addict and know what those things mean. And you say recovering, it's not recovered. You know, it's recovering. And and there's a big difference in that, you know. Yeah. And I don't think any addict is really recovered. You've yeah. always, I mean, you've always inspired people throughout your life. Right. You're going to inspire people on a whole new level. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm going to make recovery cool. You know, I really am. I mean, yeah. I'm going to walk. I walked into Alaska, yeah. Anchorage, Alaska airport. And, and I was there. And of course, two hour layover. And my, there's a bar right across from my, right across from my gate, of course. 
and I go right over there because I'm hungry. And of course, seat comes available right at the bar. And I said, why not? I said, absolutely. I go belly up to the bar and I order a Diet Coke and a water. And the guy like goes like, he's wasting the seat, you know? So Coors Light's right here, Coors Light's over here, guy's doing a shot over here. And I actually take a picture of where I'm sitting and a picture of my hamburger with no bun, no carbs, of course, and my Diet Coke and everything. I see me and my niece talk and everything. And, you know, it just, it just was just, it's amazing how much it's out there. And how, and really, I see now what they really go to try to get you ready for because it's there. It doesn't I tempt mean, you? No, man, it just didn't. I mean, the, the tray came down. You know, they call those triggers. And I kind of just, it was just amazing how many times I saw I could drink. It's, 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 it's a hundred times a day that I could have taken a drink. Yeah. I could have drank a hundred times. And so it went like a hundred times. I was like, oh my God, this is a trigger. And oh my God, it was just almost comical. I was like, this is unbelievable. I mean, like the, the door, the drawer was halfway open on the cart and it was where the vodka was. And I went and my hand was that far away. And I went, this is almost this is unbelievable. And I was laughing and the, and the stewardess goes, what's so funny? I said, I said nothing. I said nothing because there's no way to explain it. It was just like, this is, this is comical. But so, th this yeah. is that same discipline that you had transferred into something completely different. That's what Dallas told me. He said, bro, he said, think about the discipline you had to look like you in the 90s. This is the same discipline you're talking about that you're going to have during this. This is the same exact. He said, think about how you look with your discipline. And now you got to use that same discipline with this. And I am. Was there a part of you that was upset with how things ended with WCW? Obviously, you guys had zero control over that. Yeah. Not, but then you only had one match in WWE. Yeah. Well, I think the the question would be, am I upset about the WWE? And at the time, it was the WWF. You know, uh, so, you know, how it broke absolutely I am. To answer your question, I'm, I'm, that's, that's in the, that's in the depression part of drinking. I mean, that's in, that's in there with the rest of it. I mean, you throw it in a big pile and you set it on fire. That's that's in there. And it's like, you know, I mean, it was so depressing to me. And the only thing that saved me from getting worse or being a lot more depressed was at least the fans knew I got screwed. The fans know and still know that Buff Bagel got gypped, man. They know that. And without that, I would be like completely depressed. But they know that as my only savior at all. But man, I did get gypped, man. I mean... I was Buff Bagwell, bro, and I got fired in Atlanta, Georgia. And, you know, I think a lot of guys may have the same story, but I can tell you they don't have this one. I'm the only, to my knowledge, I'm the only wrestler. I've been told this by a lot of guys that know the business a lot. I'm the only wrestler in the history of time to be main event one week and fired the next. I mean, where do you sign up for that? <laughs> I mean, Buff Bagwell was main event with Booker T. Yeah. And they fired me in Atlanta, Georgia the next week. Why wouldn't they have you and Booker T in Atlanta? In Atlanta, WCW's, you know, every main city. Yeah. Every podcast I did yeah. after that was like, guys, think about it. They put us in, um, they put us in. You were in Seattle, Tacoma? Tacoma, yeah. very good. Yeah. Tacoma, Washington. And then next week was Atlanta. Now you're Vince McMahon. Are you going to put us in Tacoma? Or are you going to wait seven days and put Booker T and Buff Bagwell in Atlanta, Georgia? Like and they call it the, they, and they call they call it the invasion. Yeah. What are we invading out there? Alaska? 
We're invading <laughs> in Canada. Yeah, right. <laughs> we're invading. We're invading Ted Turner in Atlanta, right? Yeah. But no. So, and the little things I never told anybody, bro. Like this, right before my music's playing. Okay, I can't remember why, but Booker went out first. Think about that. He had two belts. Yeah. And I went out second. Yeah. I've never seen that done before. And it's funny when you watch the match back on YouTube. Yeah. It starts with Booker in the ring and just your entrance. Right. It don't show his entrance. No. He, he may not have got music. <laughs> and I don't know that part. I'm going to check on it, though. But if you remember, my pyro was off the chart. Yes. But here's what I got told that nobody knows 30 seconds, 10 seconds before you saw me come through the curtain. Out of nowhere. I mean, like a ghost. Shane McMahon appears and he goes, Mark. I go, yeah. He goes, you can't look into the cameras. My music's playing. And I went, what? He goes, you can't look in the cameras. I go, Shane, that's all I do. I said, I, I look in the cameras. I pose and I wear yeah. a top hat. I said, that's my whole gig, bro. He said, you can't do it or you're fired. So the next time you watch it back, I want you to see a match. I want you to watch a match of Buck Bagwell anywhere in sight of the year before. Yeah. And then watch that match. Yeah. I I don't look anywhere near that camera for the only time in three years. I come down, keep mind. Now that takes me completely out of Buck sure. Bagwell's out of my world. So I come out, I do the pyro, I do the posing, but then it's like, where's the camera? And I see it and I'm going, and I start talking to somebody over here. So you, you know, that camera, I'm right up in it, bro. Look at me. Yeah. I was out of my game right there. So they took my leg off right there back there that nobody even knows through the curtain. Wow. So play it back and watch it. It's, it's really weird that I never look in the camera that night. I was told not to be fired. Wow. So, but nobody knows that, you know, that's the kind of stuff we were going through. You know, yeah. Jim Ross called me on Wednesday that week before Atlanta and said, hey, man, we got big plans for you in Atlanta. So we want you to take off the house shows. That got to be my mother got me out of them. Yeah, that's the story. And it stuck, bro. He started a rumor that stuck. So It stuck so much, I started saying, you know what, guys? Let's say that my mom did do it, and she's lying to me. Do you fire Buff Bagwell over that? Uh. And they were like, no, you don't. And the bad match thing. I go, let's say it was the worst match ever. I go, how about the five years of never tripping, stumbling, or anything previous? I said, you don't fire somebody over a bag. You don't fire a buff bagel over one match. Yeah. So the match and the mother stuck, bro. Yeah. It stuck to the point I was like, let's say she did it. You don't fire a buff bagel over that. You say, buff, tell your mother to leave us the hell alone. You don't fire me over that over what another human does. It's 20 years later. I yeah. feel like that still must just well, do you, hurt. Do you realize what that 20 years is? It's about 20 million. Uh. I mean, without any exaggeration, it's 10. It's 10 million yeah. just joking around. So Jim Ross in my book, and I hate to say it, played a part in that. I just, I love Jim to death. He's one of my best friends in the WCW. So I don't know what happened with that. I just know what I, I just did what everybody told me. Yeah. And Jim told me not to go to the shows. But out of that came, my mom did it. If, you're, you know? if your knee heals up to yeah. where you want it to be, do you want to wrestle again? I'd love to wrestle again. I, th I think I got another run left. I really do. As Mr. Bagwell? I know I do. Yeah. I mean, I I know I've got a little bit of a career left, and I hope I do. You think doing you something. Bump? But, oh, yeah, I know I could. I took a bump and with crutches at Game Changers pay-per-view a year and a half ago. 
at their pay-per-view. Um, I can't remember what it was called, but I came out first and took a kick from Joey and took a, a, a super kick yeah. from him and took a, a good, clean bump. So it's not about the bump, and it's just about running. So yeah. if I get my leg underneath me at all, which I, I think I can, I, I'm going to have another run at this thing, man. I mean, to bring uh, it back full circle to where we started. Yeah. Last time I saw you in the ring in person. Right, JT. You did a Canadian Destroyer. <laughs> right? Yeah. And I remember the guy was like, holy shit. He said, oh, my God. You both by what is it? And that was a stuff. That was a, a spot that nobody... 220, 220 pound guys didn't do that kind of spot. I mean, I, it's it's kind of been beat to death. Yeah. Like, everybody does the Canadian Destroyer. Right, you know? right. But back 10 then, years ago, it's like P.D. Williams and a few other people. Right. Yeah. And I remember my, my my manager at the time, he came up and said, can you do this? And he showed me it on a, all I, I never, I've never done it. I've never tried it. That and was I, the first time you tried it? Swear to God in my life. In the ring? In my I never, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what, I, if you told me, he said, Mark, explain what a Canadian Destroyer is. I'd say, I've got no idea. I have no idea what that is. Swear to God on my life. It, and wow. my, my manager goes, hey, look at this. Can you do that? I go, I said, I said, well, if they can do it, I can. So I, me and the guy hooked, just kind of, I just kind of hooked him in, in the, the dressing room. And I, and I said, now right there, I said, that first push is going to be, it's all your world. I said, on, on me getting over, but you got to really push right there. And so, so you we do a front it, flip. I, I hook him, you squat. And when you go, I just tuck. He's got to do the push. And then it's up to me to get us around. And I mean, we were 99% around when I got it there. So and we almost stuck it perfect. But, you know, 220 and first time doing it, wow. I was very pleased with it. it was, yeah. And I mean, then it kicked out. <laughs> Isn't that great? Everybody's going to go watch it now. That, right. that, that clip on YouTube yeah. after hearing and this. And I mean, all the stuff came across the, you know, all the, the internet was like, you know, the handsome destroyer because the handsome stranger and the, you know, so it was the Buff Bagel Destroyer, and so it was. It got a lot of a lot of publicity, you know, by then. Yeah. And but it was a lot of fun, man. I, I love doing things. The Blockbuster. I've never done that in the ring in my entire life, except the first time I did it, Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Scotty Riggs. We had practiced it a little bit in the hotel room, like how we were going to land and stuff. But the first time I did it was in the ring. I did it. Boom. Me and Scotty Riggs. So I, th I, th I found in the wrestling business, man, if you just didn't overthink it, it would come out better. Did you see that Logan Paul did the blockbuster? No. I yes. think a lot, I've seen a lot of guys doing it for high spots. And Logan, I love it. Logan Paul did it in at SummerSlam in his match against the Miz. I love it. For a finish? No, it was a, I a high spot, right? I don't know how he won that match. But yeah, high but, spot. But you know, the, the the two good tag team guys, the, the Bowens, or, or uh, he comes out with the, they come out with the jerseys and AEW guys. Oh, uh, the acclaim. The acclaim. Yeah. The acclaim, bro. <laughs> Love them. They did. I did one double blockbuster with Sonny Ono and Ernest the Cat Miller, and one time at a at a nitro, and this guy did a double blockbuster at, when I in Alaska. <laughs> I thought it was super great, man. I was like, "Hey, man," I said, "Good move." And he goes, "The blockbuster." That's it, brother. Yeah. You know, so it was cool. It's cool to see that. I you know, know a lot of it. a lot of people have been telling you how proud they are of you, right? I'm, I'm so proud of you. Thank You've you. Come man. such a long way from the last time that I saw you. Right. How proud are you of you? Um, a lot. I really am. Um, this is a big deal, bro. I mean, I've been, I've been on some form of drugs for the majority of my life, and now here I am at 52, 40 plus days sober, and uh, I mean, totally sober. A sip of alcohol, not one 
pain pill, not one nothing. Um, that's big. That's huge. I mean, at rehab, they clap when you say that every time. Yeah. They clap. And it's like, why well, they clap? It's a big deal. Yeah. And I remember at one day they would clap. So it's a big deal. One day at a time is what they say. And that's what I'm doing just like Jake is. It's one day at a time. Even at eight years, it's still one day at a time. And so I'm very happy about everything for the first time in a long time, though. And I'm excited again for the first time in a long time. And I think all those things is what makes this time different. The tools, excited, and the right team. Mm. The like right team. You always would put on a face in front of the crowd that right. you were happy. Right. Uh, maybe you weren't happy, you know, when you went home. I think, I think when I was in front of them, I was. Yeah. But, you know, it, that was my job. And so, you know, you, I think you get caught in the middle of that character, too, a little bit. You know, I definitely lost my, I definitely lost Marcus a little bit with that, with the buff. And, you know, I didn't, I probably didn't know it or didn't think it, but, but I did, you know, and, um, and reality is I, I do know the difference now and I'm just, it's just, it's hard to say for addicts because they always say, you know, it's different this time and this is, this is why and everything, but th this is different this time. And it's just because it's nothing, no big thing came over me, no special light. I didn't see a light in the far distance or anything. I just, it's just, everything's lining up again. I mean, when I did the buff back run, everywhere I stepped was gold. Everywhere. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't step off. And now, and, but then it started after that run, it started happening wherever I stepped was bad. And now again, it's everywhere I'm stepping is good again. And so with that said, I think we, sometimes we don't have, we don't have the possibility of, of, of what's happening with what's going on with the timing, with the, it is what it is and, and, and everything. We just don't have the, we don't have the, we don't have the, we don't have a crystal ball, yeah. but this time is so different just because of, I'm excited. I think I'm excited yeah. and I got the tools and I don't know. I just, I just got the right team and everything. And just, everything's yeah. lined up this time and it's yeah. just, it's just lined up right. And I'm just feel so good inside and I'm sleeping again. That was a big thing. You know, Dallas always says the story you tell yourself. And, and that's, yeah. I didn't quite know what he meant. I was listening, but I, what I didn't hear him. And, and it's big. It's huge to, to, you know, to listen to the story you tell yourself. And I was telling myself, I can't sleep. You know, I gotta have, I gotta have Xanax to sleep guys. I can't do it. You know, and repeatedly hearing that over and over again, you're going to say, you're probably not going to be able to sleep. All of a sudden, now I can say, I can sleep, yeah. and I can't. It's bizarre. Um, earlier, Dallas asked me if I was going to you know, stay over, and I was like, and I actually like got nervous. I went, what? And then I thought, wait a minute. I ain't got nothing. Before, it'd be like, do I got my pills? Uh, uh, do I have alcohol here so I don't go through you know, the heebie-jeebies in the morning and the shakes and, and feel bad in the morning? I mean, I, I don't, you know, you got to plan all that. Yeah. Cause you're an addict. But I went, Oh my God, I can, I can sleep on the couch in these clothes and wake up and drive home tomorrow. Yeah. And what a, do you know what kind of feeling that is coming yeah. from a drug addict? It's huge, man. And so I said, I can, I said, I can do that. 
So he got his sleep apnea machine out for me <laughs> and said, look, check these. I said, I can put something together with that. Yeah. <laughs> so I think we're going to stay over. But anyway, it's just, it's just great to be able to do that. And it's just, there's nothing to hold me back anymore. Yeah. And that's what, that's what that does. It handcuffs you, bro. Yeah. And it grabs you and it can grab anybody, man. And it, and it, and it grabbed me. Yeah. But, um, I broke that grip and now I'm, I'm free from it. So man, I'm free from it. I'm so happy to hear that. I appreciate it, man. And I'm really sorry to hear about the passing of your mom. Yeah, man, that was a biggie, bro. That was I'm huge. Sure. Yeah. And uh I'm sure she'd be so proud of you now. Yeah. Um she um she was always so worried about me, man. I mean, my my dad, my dad and uh her, you know, I, of course I took care of them during my run. And I was like, um, you know, they were constantly trying to get me you know, to quit, you know. And they knew that, you know. That was part of it that I, I needed for some injuries and stuff, but they knew it, it was gotten, it gotten out of hand and, you know, and they can't, how can they come talk to me? They, they work for me, you know? So my dad was like, what do we, what do I say to him? He, he goes to the gym every day. He looks phenomenal. Um, his cars are old, changed and clean. Um, his house is spotless and, and we work for him. What do you, so they came at me with how much I was spending mm. and I never looked at it, Chris, never because I knew I wasn't ready to stop and I didn't want to be depressed about the amount of money I was spending. So I just shoved it away. I said, now that I don't want to see it. And, but it, it, she would be so proud. And, um, and I wish she was here to see it because it would be like beyond her, it'd be, it'd be like out of her mind yeah. belief. Yeah. So I wish she would be here to see it, but uh, talking about her for a minute, um, the second appearance I've made through all of this, Alaska was the first. And the second was in Canton, Georgia this past week. And I, uh, I didn't realize it until I was on the way. You don't even know this. But as I was on the way, I kept asking uh, my, my agent slash manager. I was like, hey, man. I said, where's this place at again? He said, it's called Action. Action. Um, and, I, and I went. I said, wait a minute. I said, is it, I said, is it a church? He goes, yeah, I think it is. I went, I said, oh my God. I said, and can, I said, that's where my mother's funeral was. No way. The second signing I've been at this is where my mom's funeral was less than a year ago. Wow. So I, I signed autographs in a building where my mom's funeral was. And, and I didn't know how to take it. It was like, it was kind of settling to me. It was like comfort a little bit. It wasn't like, oh my, now, Jonna, my niece was flipped and like, oh my God, how's Mark going to take this? But, I, you know, I made it make sense. Yeah. And it, for some reason it did. It was almost like my mom was there and it was okay. Yeah. And I didn't tell, I didn't even tell Steve you about this all thing till the next day. It wasn't that big a deal. But to me and John, it was huge. My mother just got her funeral, had her funeral there less than a year ago. Wow. So she's there still, and I know she's looking over me, man. And but I do wish she could have been here to talk to her about me being sober. It would have been cool. Yeah. But I miss her, man. She was she was special. She was a great woman, great mother, yeah. great mother. I'm just really proud of the progress you've made. <laughs> Thanks, Congratulations, man. forty something days in. Next time I see you, it'll be you know who knows a year, brother. Yeah, it's gonna be a year. <laughs> I end every conversation talking about gratitude because that's such yeah. an important thing to me. I wake up every day, I say out loud three things I'm grateful for. Oh, that's great. Man. And I do it before I go to bed as well. Wow, I love that. So Marcus, what are three things in your life 
that you're grateful for right now? My sobriety, <clears throat> Steve Yu and Dallas Page, and God. I mean, that's that's three big ones, man. It's it's um that's the three that came to my mind first. So I said them. That's great. And if I had a, a bigger list, it'd be my niece and. Sure, we can be grateful for but, as many things as the, you want. But, but the top three that came to my head was that, and that's three big ones, man. That's Steve, you is so special, man. I can't explain it. Dallas say the same thing, and he's a friend that is so unconditional. It's unbelievable. I love him so much. And, uh, and to have Dallas with him, the two together are exactly what Dallas always wears on his shirt. They're unstoppable. Yeah. And they are. They are. And just for them to love me and care about me the way they do when everybody else man turned their back on me and i don't blame them for turning their back on me the other people but they didn't and you know forever all the doubters out there that didn't believe in me and stuff you know you know i i kind of i kind of dig that you know i don't mind that it don't make me mad it's just just i'll see you at the finish line you know and well, let's, let's see how it goes and you say that as we're sitting in Dallas's house. <laughs> right. And the man on the other side of the camera. <laughs> is Yoda. It's Steve here. <laughs> That's so. the only reason why he said, said that. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it didn't. <laughs> I even got teared up. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Pray you, brother. Him. Hey, man, I love you, bro. Love you. I love you so no, much. Love you. Absolutely. Thank man. you. Thank you. Well, there we go, my friends. A massive thank you to Marcus for being so real during this conversation. It's been incredible seeing his progress and his growth since the last time I saw him. And thank you to DDP for all the amazing work that he's doing and for allowing us to record this in his home and just in general for being so welcoming and hospitable. What, what a guy. Please share this with a friend. Please tag us so that we can share it out as well. Marcus is at Marcus Buff Bagwell. I'm at Chris Van Vliet. If you haven't seen these Mr. Bagwell's Neighborhood videos that he's talking about, go immediately to YouTube right now and check them out. They're hilarious, and he's just getting started in this new chapter in his life. Abraham Lincoln said it best. I'll leave you with this. The best thing about the future is that it comes one day at a time. Be great. Be grateful. We'll see you on the next one for some more insight.